Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here, if I haven't met you before, and I'd love to add my warm welcome to everyone in the building and those joining us online. Great to have you join us. I want you to cast your minds back to the Sydney Olympic Games. Great time to be an Australian, if you remember it. And uh, many highlights, I think, in those Sydney Olympics. But for me, the highlight wasn't Cathy Freeman, though she was brilliant. Uh, it wasn't Ian Thorpe, though, of course, an incredible highlight. Now, for me, the highlight of the Sydney Olympic Games was Eric from Equatorial Guinea. Does anyone remember? Affectionately known as Eric the Eel. Now, Eric had uh, Eric came and was able to participate as a swimmer in the Olympics because the Olympic Federation had made a way for poorer countries to have a chance to participate in the Olympic Games. Eric had only ever swum in rivers and lakes. This was the first time Eric was swimming in a swimming pool at the Olympics. He gets up, his two competitors were disqualified because they made a false start, and so the entire stadium, 18,000 people, and everyone watching TV, were watching just this one man. Eric dove in, and he could hardly swim. Eric literally was thrashing about in the water. He's doing freestyle, but his face, I don't think, goes under the water at all, the whole race. And he was going slow, so slow, at one point he actually needed to stop and actually have a break in the middle of the Olympics. And some people genuinely thought he may drown and not finish the race. But the crowd went wild. The crowd went wild. People cheering on Eric's name, cheering him on, and Eric the eel made it to the end of the race. Here's what he said in the interview afterwards. He said, to be honest, I was so tired, I was going to stop. I couldn't feel my legs or my arms. Everything was very heavy. But when I heard people clapping and cheering my name, it gave me the power to finish. See, that's what encouragement does, doesn't it? Encouragement spurs you on. Encouragement motivates you. Encouragement lifts your spirits when you're down. It gives you hope. It gives you energy to persevere to the finish line. And that's what we're talking about this morning, encouragement. We're in our year of loving our neighbour as a church, and we're spending the school holidays just exploring different ways that we can love each other. And today we're thinking about encouragement. How can we, as believers, encourage one another to keep living for Jesus, to keep growing to be more like Jesus, to Spur, spur each other on to reach that finish line. After all, we need encouragement, don't we? As Christians, we need encouragement. When we gather together as a church, we aren't gathering in some kind of social club where we you know, just talk about a common hobby or play golf together or whatever it is. We are in a spiritual battle. The devil does not want any of us to make it to the finish line. The devil does not want us to persevere. The world throws at us temptations, discouragements. Sin wants to entrap us. And life throws us hurdles and trials that sometimes we never anticipate. And we feel like giving up. 
And in those moments, we need, we need encouragement. We need each other to spur each other on, to keep going, to make it to the finish line. Listen to these words. It's up on the screen, 1 Thessalonians 5. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. Have you noticed that? Encourage one another. It's not just up to the pastors to do the encouraging. The people that are sitting next to you right now this morning, in front of you, behind you, they need your encouragement. And you need their encouragement. What does encouragement look like? It looks, says in that verse there, build each other up. When the Bible talks about that, building each other up, it's talking about building each other up to be more like Jesus, to, to live for Jesus more, to be more and more like the image of God that we were created to be. We're not talking about uh, flattery, telling each other just things that we know we want to hear, or empty compliments, or even the kind of encouragement that maybe the world gives. Great work, you can do it, believe in yourself. Now we're talking about Christian encouragement, building each other up, encouraging each other in the gospel, this good news of Christ. And there's so many different ways we can encourage, can't we? I just love what Roz shared before, a great encouragement about discipling those who are younger than us or approaching people who are older and being discipled. There's so many different encouragements. I hear stories, even just this morning, of making meals for people in our church who are sick, grieving with those who are suffering, spurring each other on. There's so many different ways. But look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. This is what the writer of the Hebrews says. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So that's encouragement. Spurring each other on to love, loving God, loving others. Spurring each other on to good deeds, living for Jesus. And all the more as you see the day approaching. That day is the day Jesus is going to come back. And tragically, many people, they actually don't reach the finish line. They call themselves Christians, and, 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 but they, at some point, stop following Jesus. It's, it's so sad. I'm sure you know many people that you care for and you love who were believers and then stopped following Jesus and don't make it to the finish line. Like I say, most of the time this doesn't happen overnight. It's very rare that someone wakes up in the morning and after many years of following Jesus says, I've decided not to be a Christian anymore. Now, most of the time it's, it's over a number of years, actually. It's a slow drift. It's the consequences of a serious series of decisions or discouragements or whatever it is. And when I think about people I know and love that have stopped following Jesus, I, I wish I'd encouraged them more years earlier. Uh, years earlier, I wish I'd given them a challenge or spurred them on. I love that verse from that hymn, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. All of us are prone to wander from God, be distracted by sin or be tripped up by discouragements. And that's why I love this warning. It's in Hebrews chapter 3. It's up on the screen. Encourage one another daily 
as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Why encourage each other? Sin deceives. Sin hardens our hearts. Rather than having a soft heart towards God that beats for him, sin deceives and hardens slowly, perhaps over time. So what we need to do is, is encourage each other so that our hearts remain soft to God, soft to God's word. Our ears are open to hearing from him and we make it to the end. You know, even the Apostle Paul needed encouragement. Even the Apostle Paul, you might think, oh, the Apostle Paul, surely he had it all sorted. Surely he was some kind of spiritual superhero. He had it all made. You know, he's planning churches. He didn't need encouragement. But look at what he wrote in Romans chapter 1. He's writing to the Romans and he says, I long to see you so that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. So there's the Apostle Paul, and he says, I can't wait to catch up. I can't wait to get a coffee and see you guys and meet you guys. He actually hasn't met most of them. I can't wait to see you. Yes, to encourage you, but also to be encouraged by you. So if the Apostle Paul needed it, how much more do we? One writer says this, Encouragement is like oxygen in the life of a church. It keeps hearts beating, minds clear, and hands inspired to serve. Encouragement is like oxygen in the life of a church. How we need it, how we need each other's encouragement to keep going to the end and claim the prize of eternal life. So, how can we be great encouragers? How can we be great encouragers? We're going to get real practical. I've got eight thoughts. They're in a particular order. No particular order. Eight thoughts. How can we be great encouragers? Here's the first one. Pray. Pray. Great place to start. Pray. Ask God to help you to be an encouraging person, to help you to be an encourager. We're so self-centered naturally. Ask God to help you to look beyond yourself and see the opportunities in front of you, the people you can bless, the people you can offer words that bring life and healing. Ask God to give you creativity, different ways to encourage and bless others, and pray for people. Why don't you ask me or Paul or James for a copy? Here's just an idea. A copy of everyone in this service, 10 a.m. Curability. And maybe you could pray for a different person every day. Pray for a different person every day in your church family. You might even send them a text after you pray for them. Hey, Betsy, just letting you know, I pray for you this morning. Hope you're well. Whatever it is. How encouraging would that be? Pray for your brothers and sisters in church. Pray for those in your connect group. Pray to the God of encouragement for help to be an encourager. Thought number two, how to be a great encourager. Use your words to build up and not tear down. Use your words to build up and not tear down. We all say a lot of words, don't we? We speak so much. Uh, The researchers say, I read this week, women speak 20,000 words a day, men 13,000 words a day. 
There's a lot of words. Some of the words, if you're like me, are words we wish we could take back. Some words bring life. Some words bring death. And how would you feel if I told you I'd obtained a recording of every word you've said in the last week? The words you've said to your husband or wife or friend, to your boss, the words you've muttered under your breath, the words you said to the person who cut you off in traffic. That I'd obtained a recording, I was about to play it on the loudspeakers for everyone to hear. My guess is you'd want to run and hide. I would too. Our words can bring so much harm. But listen to these words from Ephesians chapter 4. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. If that doesn't challenge you, I mean, it challenges me. Don't let any words come out of your mouth except what is going to bless, build others up in Jesus, spur others on, Bring life to people and bring life for their benefit. So think about how you could use your words. We've got to guard our tongue. Remember the warning from the book of James, guard our tongue. The tongue is like a spark that can start a huge fire, but it can also bring healing. Thought number three, how to be a great encourager. Remind each other of the scriptures. Remind each other of the scriptures. Our God is the God of encouragement. And his word, he speaks us through his word, is filled with encouragements. It's a story of his mercy, of his grace, of his faithfulness, of his love. How many of us in this room have experienced times when we are at the lowest of the low? We feel like we've hit rock bottom. And a brother or sister in Christ shares with us a Bible verse. And it was exactly what we needed to hear. You experienced that before? I know I have. What better way to encourage people than by reminding people of the promises of God, the mercy of God, the kindness of God? One of the things we do in our church staff meetings every week is Paul begins the meeting by asking us to share encouragements from the Bible. What have we been reading? How can we share some encouragements? And that's how we start every staff meeting. So encouraging. Perhaps you can ask each other, what's God been teaching you recently? As you read the word for yourself, think of opportunities to share that and bless others. Well, thought number four, how to be a great encourager. Point out how God has been at work in and through others. Point out how you've seen God at work in and through others. Thank you, sister, for the way in which you set up those chairs before church. I know no one else noticed it, but I'm really thankful for the way you served. Thank you for your, for your help and what you said during Connect Group. I really needed to hear that. That was so challenging. Thank you. Brother, I can just see the way God's been growing you. This is this last year. You've just, God has really been transforming you. Keep it up. Look for words, opportunities to, to build people up and point out how God has been at work in them and through them. And be specific. Be specific, actually name specific ways. Nothing encourages me more than when after I preach a sermon, people don't just say lovely sermon, but they say, hey, you know, God really challenged me through what you said there, or, or I needed to hear that encouragement there from that passage. People are specific. I love that. 
Be specific in your encouragements. Encourage your leaders. Point out how God has been using them, your connect group leaders, your music leaders, your welcoming, whoever it might be. It might absolutely transform their day. That might be exactly what they needed to hear. And can I say, if you're someone who receives encouragement, if someone comes up to you and and gives you an encouragement and points out how God has been using you, actually receive it. Don't don't brush it off. It's so easy as Aussies to just say, ah, it was nothing. Anyone would do it. You know, it wasn't really much. No, no, actually receive it. Say thank you. Humbly say thank you. Receive it and give the glory to God. How good is it when we are used by our Heavenly Father? Perhaps you could take a minute after the service and just send a text to someone in church and encourage them for how God has used them. Thought number five, how to be a great encourager. Remember your influence. Remember your influence. You may not realise it, but you are an example to others. People are watching you. You you may not feel like it. It doesn't matter. Maybe you're not up the front or maybe you don't have any formal position of leadership, but you are an encouragement just by living for Jesus. People are watching you. They're watching your example. Most of the people I'm encouraged by are not necessarily people who say things to me, but I'm just watching someone who's been a Christian for 70 years and I see them singing a hymn at church. That's so encouraging. Or I see someone make a sacrificial decision for the kingdom. It's so encouraging. The Apostle Paul knew that people watch him. He says this, is Philippians chapter 3. He said, join together, it's up on the screen, Philippians 3, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. It's possible saying, watch my example, but also watch other people. Be encouraged by them. Be spurred on by the way they live for Jesus. Now, I hope this makes you a little terrified because people are watching you. And so can I encourage you to think about how you can keep growing as a believer, how you can keep living for Jesus and giving over every aspect of your life in his service because people are watching And who knows who you may encourage just by following Jesus and living the godly life. Who knows who you may encourage as you live for Jesus as a mum, as you live for Jesus as a worker, as you live for Jesus as someone unemployed, as you live for Jesus as you struggle with mental illness. The list goes, who knows who you may encourage? Who knows who's watching? Well, thought number six, encourage others just by showing up. Encourage others just by showing up, just by coming to church. That's what Hebrews 10 says. It's up on the screen. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. What it says there, it says, how do you encourage each other? By not giving up meeting together. So, you know, it's just encouraging to others just by coming to church. It's deeply encouraging just by coming 
to church. And can I say, when you don't come to church, it can be discouraging. Now, I don't, I don't want to guilt people unnecessarily here because we are a church of grace. And sometimes you can't come to church. Sometimes you're sick. Sometimes you're traveling. Sometimes life is just too much. But I hope you know that when you don't come, people miss you. People miss you. In just the same way that if you missed a family lunch, your absence would be noted. We miss you when you don't come. It's encouraging just by turning up, by being committed to God's family here, gathering together to sing, to worship, to adore our great God together. I was encouraged last week by a family who had just given birth to a baby and came to church within a week. Not everyone can do that. Some people are not in a position, but when they have a newborn baby to come to church within a week, this family was, how encouraging it was. Uh, I'm encouraged by when people can't make it to their normal church service, and so rather than missing church for that weekend, they come to another service. They're there at 4 p.m. or at 6 p.m. It's so encouraging. Just by turning up, don't underestimate how much you may build someone up just by your presence. And who knows how God might use you when you turn up. Particularly, turn up ready to serve. There's nothing that makes church more exciting than when you get in the car after church and you know that God used you to bless someone that morning. When you were used by the Creator to build someone up. I've got two more thoughts how to be a great encourager. Number seven, do it daily. Do it daily. Encouragement is a spiritual gift. And so some of you in this room, I know, have the spiritual gift of encouragement. You're really good at it. It just comes naturally to you. You overflow in encouragement. But others of you, like myself, it's something we've got to work on. Something that doesn't necessarily come naturally. And so work at it. Maybe you could set a reminder on your phone once a day to send a text to someone and share an encouraging word or to pray for someone or to build someone up. Practice it daily. Let's make it a habit in our lives. And number eight, find some people who you can be a part of a prayer triplet with. Find some people you can be part of a prayer triplet with or an accountability group with. What am I talking about? Find some people who you can deliberately and intentionally encourage. I meet with uh, two friends, two brothers in Christ, we meet up once a week or once a fortnight, and the whole goal of us meeting up is to encourage each other. We've given each other the permission to ask each other the hard questions that other people may not ask us. How are you going with Jesus? How's your marriage going? How's your time with the Lord going? You mentioned last week you were struggling with this particular sin or this particular trial. Can I pray for you? How's that going? We challenge each other when we need to be challenged. We build each other up when we need that. We want to spur each other on. We're committed to helping each other make it over that finish line. That's why I love what Ros was sharing before. Who can you get alongside 
to regularly pray and invest and disciple and encourage. Maybe you say, well, I don't really have anyone like that. I mean, I'm not ready to, to go deep with someone like that. That's okay. You've got to start somewhere. Even if it's someone you don't know very well. Over time, build up the trust. and It may not happen naturally or overnight. But take steps to finding people who you can give permission to, ask you the hard questions, who you can spur on intentionally living for Jesus. Three is a great number. It's a great number of people. It gives you enough time in an hour to uh, spend some time hearing from each other and praying for each other. Three is a great number. Uh, I'd love to help if you want some advice about who maybe you could uh, invest in or who might be able to meet with you or pray with you regularly. Uh, Betsy, come and speak to Betsy as well. Uh, we'd love to help you there. So there's eight thoughts, how to be a great encourager. I'm sure you have many, many more to add. I'd love to hear them. Let's be an encouraging church. Let's be a church that wants to help every single one of us cross that finish line and receive the crown of righteousness that God has in store for us. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the chance we have over this school holidays to just uh, reflect and be practical and think about different ways we can be a loving church. And Lord, we pray this morning that you'd make us encouragers. Lord, would you put names and faces before us right now? Right now, we pray for names and faces that you'd put before us who need the kindness and the grace that you alone can bring. Lord, would you show us people right now who might need a note or a text or an unrushed visit or some deep and careful listening? Would you use us as encouragers? Soften our hearts to those around us. Protect us so that each and every single one of us may persevere to the end. And most of all, we thank you that you are the God of all hope and the God of all encouragement. And it's in your great name we pray. Amen.